Welcome to All Axes. My name is Thielen Henderson, and I'll be your host. Today will be one of our customer spotlight episodes. We'll be talking with Michael Bowman, CEO of Magnum Machining Incorporated. Hello, Michael. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. So first off, can you tell me a little bit about Magnum Machining? Absolutely. So Magnum Machining, uh, we are a Tier 1 contract CNC manufacturing corporation. Uh, we have two locations. Our U.S. location is in Deerwood, Minnesota, uh, so pretty north-central Minnesota, about two hours north of the Twin Cities. And then we have another facility in Torreon, Mexico, um, so north-central Mexico right there in the heart of the uh, industrial area down there. Tell me about how Magnum got started. My father started it. He was working in the, the same same industry in, at another company. Um, and then in 1994, he uh Decided to start his own shop, so he got some investors, uh, some close family friends, and some some other people. Him and my mother put in some some money and uh, started down in in Rochester in May of 1994, and slowly just just grew it and expanded, and now we are where we are today. How long have you been CEO of this company? I've been CEO for just over two years now. So January of 2019, I I took over. And, and you took over when your father passed. Uh, did you ever think about selling the business? You're a young man. Never thought about selling. That was one thing uh, when my father father started the company um, and stuff he said all along is, you know, he's, he wanted to never build it up to sell it. That wasn't his, his idea. He wanted to pass it on to, to generations and generations after that. Um, right. So just kind of hearing that and never really was in the, the back of mind of, of selling it once he, once he passed. So. Well, that, that's cool. I, I like things like that. So when did you know you were going to take over the company at some point? I would say probably, probably a couple years after I started. Uh, so after I graduated uh, college and did all that fun stuff, I started working here in, uh, it would have been May of 2013. And uh, first year and a half, kind of just working every every department from shipping, receiving through quality and production to scheduling. Um, and then probably in about 2017, we started the um, plan of succession plan and start all the training for some higher level stuff. And then um, unfortunately, when he, when he passed in December of 18, um, kind of sped it up a couple of years, but um, that was, wasn't unexpected or kind of unforeseen as far as taking over just sooner than uh, sooner than I wanted, I'd say. Of course. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. It does speak to the importance of having a succession plan or having something in place in case anything does happen. So now you guys have plants in Minnesota and Mexico, right? Correct. And why did you open a plant in Mexico? One of our main customers asked us down uh, to come down around 2001, 2002. They have one of their, their large manufacturing facilities uh, just about four miles down the road. So from my understanding, from my dad told me is they approached him and he said, why not? And actually my, my oldest brother, Ben, and his wife went down for about a year and a half to get it all going. Uh, he was working here at the time, but yeah, got it, got it going about 2001 and then full production started in 2003. And that has been a very good move for us as a company, be able to have that dual source, two different regions, kind of as a mitigation and be able to offer you know, different types of services in a way to, to customers. So the Mexico facility is, it's no longer just servicing a single customer. You, you've branched that out? Correct. 
And and how do you handle the division of uh, where products go from your Minnesota factory versus your Mexico factory? Yeah, so it really depends on the end usage of our customers. So say if our, our customers, obviously, they have different plans across the world. Um, if something's, you know, going to be assembled in, say, uh, the Midwest, whether it's Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, we'll tend to machine it up here in, in the U.S. location, just, you know, cost and logistic wise. Um, obviously, anything that's assembled to Mexico, South America is going to be machined uh, in our Torian location. Um, and then as far as Europe and Asia, kind of kind of depends on on what the customer wants. And again, a lot of factors is whether where the foundry's pouring it, uh, where the castings are coming from. Um, and then really a, another benefit, like I said before, is we're able to, with the two locations, give them different options, see what best fits them on price, leads, time, availability, all that, all that fun stuff that factors into their decisions too. So in terms of capability, is there a primary difference between your Minnesota and your Mexico facilities? Not really. Nothing is being machined, same part being machined at both locations. So it's not like we're running the same part up here and down there. But the different product lines kind of differentiates what's what's up here and what's down there. And capabilities, I mean, as far as machine tools, uh, pretty much identical. Um, we have the same... Same size and types of, of maze X, whether it's laser or horizontals up here, it's down there. Um, the only difference, I guess, between the two is uh, our Torian location has two 1,000 millimeter horizontals, uh, which our Deerwood or U.S. location do, does not. Our biggest is 800. And then um, up here in, in Minnesota, we have a 32-inch VTL uh, turning center, and, and Mexico does not have a VTL, so... Again, kind of mirror images, mirror plants with a, just a few different machining capabilities. Okay, so that's, that's interesting. So y- your facilities are basically uh, capable of all making the same parts. It's just a question of what markets are they going to service uh, based on their location. Correct. How's the labor market going? It's, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting. Well, I, um, I, I will admit, I kind of <laughs> knew the answer to that question because we're all dealing with the same thing before I asked it. Yeah. I'll start with our Mexico location. It's the labor labor market's really good down there. We don't see the hindrance of what we're seeing here up in the state, especially the area we're in down there. Um, pretty industrial, pretty, you know, we're not the only CNC machine shop. And when I ran the numbers, we, since last fall in a three month period, we actually added on 30 to 40 percent uh, additional workforce down there in a matter of three months. So scaling down there and ramping up and down is, is pretty easy, which was case in the U.S., but it's definitely, to be honest, definitely a struggle getting getting CNC machinists in the area, not only where we're at, but, you know, reading everything just throughout the whole the U.S. and Midwest. It's kind of experiencing that generational gap that we've been in the industry talking about for quite some years. Um, some of the baby boomers starting to get to retirement age and not really a lot of machinists to, to fill those that are leaving the workforce. So the, the skills gap is, is for real. Do you have any plans for how you're going to combat that or, or any thoughts? Yeah. So it's a couple things, obviously technology and um, advanced technology is always on the, on the radar. Unfortunately, you still have to have those qualified people or experienced people to be able to run those multitask machines or, you know, Palatex or automation robots, all that stuff. But other than that, we do do some internal training um, where we'll bring people on that, you know, have an interest or may not knew they had interest in machining until they actually see it and kind of have a, a little job shadow with experienced operators and um, get them familiar with the controls and doing the quality checks. And then the other thing that's 
kind of interesting that we're doing up in Deerwood is there's uh, a local, the local high school has in started investing into redoing their, what they call, I think it's CTC program or their, their tech program. So they're actually in the process of doing a full remodel and they'll be bringing in some CNC machines for kids to start getting familiar with and using. And hopefully that, um, you know, in a couple of years, we'll start seeing uh, more of an interest of, of high school kids at least getting to experience it before they come into a production shop like us or, you know, one in the area. So, But it sounds like you're doing at least a little hiring of people for aptitude, not necessarily for prior experience. Like if they have the right attitude and, and, and an interest, it sounds like there's someone you're interested in. Yeah, if they have interest and in, in the willingness to want to, to want to learn, I mean, I tell people that, you know, if you want job security, if you want – be able to advance quickly you know this this industry is a great opportunity because it's the the workforce is i mean there's such a great need and there's always going to be a need uh for it so i could not agree more we are brimming with opportunity and need and and to be truthful you know some to be honest some some kids you know a, a four-year college is not the right path for them so being able to offer something else for that i mean i i tell people that unless my you know, looking back, unless my parents maybe go to college, I don't know if I <laughs> really could have finished it out. I was kind of ready to 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 move forward and try to live the adult life. But you know, for for some people, it's just you know financial and you know reality is just it's not in the cards for them, or they you know really don't don't want to do it or or shouldn't do it. So right, oh, um, I I agree. You mentioned also using technology to close the skills gap a little bit. How do you guys know when it's time to buy a new machine? We kind of look at it as obviously we're we're not a job shop, so we're 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 basically making our money as as our spindles turn, um, and how fast we can get product in and out. So when we look at buying new machines or, or new technology, one example we had was back in 2013, 2012 to 13. We had probably I'd say 10 older horizontals that were maybe. 10 to 15 years old, still perfectly able to run, still making parts, still running like a champ. But when we invested in the new Mazak horizontals, just that technology gap, we started seeing an average of 15 to 20% decrease in cycle time. So 15, 20%, you know, faster. So for us at that time, we probably had 350, 400 different part numbers that were running all various sizes, job sizes, EAUs. So the cost on that side of what we're saving uh, for the 15, 20%, um, you know, justifies investing in that new technology. In about 2008, you guys moved from a focus on vertical machining centers to more horizontals. Can you tell me why you did that? So obviously scaling up, um, you know, it's, it's no, no surprise that verticals are a little, little cheaper than horizontals. Um, but once we started looking at our, our needs and, again, optimizing spindle and cycle times and efficiency. Um, we started moving away from the verticals into the horizontals, um, mainly due to the, I guess, advancement the horizontal gives you. And obviously that's, you know, dual pallet. So you can load, unload while your spindle's still turning. You're not having that, that downtime of, of loading and unloading. Um, more rigidity and be able to machine faster, push a little bit harder, all that, all that fun stuff. And obviously there's a, a quality aspect there too of being able to, you know, machine a little bit tighter tolerance. And especially now with the advancements in controls and, you know, the new smooth control from Azex, pretty, pretty neat. 
you know, it's not it's not difficult or intimidating looking at, say, older vertical control and, and machining center to the, to the new horizontals that Mazak puts out now. So overall, kind of a, another progression in our, our growth and scaling of finding the best technology and most efficient to to run our, our factory and our, our plants. Do you find the new controls are easier uh, or, or more approachable for people that don't have the uh, old-fashioned machining background? We joke because it's easier for young kids, uh-huh. uh, a little bit intimidating for some of the some older people. But you're getting to now where everything's everything's so tablet based, touchscreen. You know, you look at the smooth control now; it's like playing on a smartphone. So, I think the biggest thing and one of the biggest benefits that we're able to do, and it actually, I don't know if if Mazak thought about this or not, or it's a good, I'll say, recruiting tool or something to be able to show so the the younger kids coming in that. Okay, yep, yeah, you're you're basically you can it's a glorified smartphone or tablet and it's not all these these button pushing and stuff in the past. So definitely a really neat control and, and helps us in, in more ways than just um, the machining itself. So Well hey Michael, thank you so much for your time. Not a problem, anytime, thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to all axes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or you can always visit our website at mazakusa.com for the latest episode.